Coming up on Mayo Clinic Q&A. And it suggested that in breast cancer, we might actually be better off at giving bigger doses each day and finishing in a shorter period of time, that that actually might be better at destroying the cancer cells, but limiting side effects to the normal tissues. Through clinical trials and advancements in research and technologies, breast cancer patients are seeing better outcomes with less side effects. And one innovation being used at Mayo Clinic is proton beam therapy. This newer technology called proton therapy is different in that regard. Protons have this ability to stop in a dime, and that's because uh, they're charged and they have a mass, so we can actually give them just enough energy to travel to the tissue and have them stop. And so all that tissue behind the tumor or the target is spare of radiation exposure. Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm Dr. Helena Gazelka. Treatment for breast cancer can vary widely depending on the kind of the cancer and how far it has spread. Treatment options can include a combination of surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation therapy. Radiation therapy is often used after surgery to reduce the risk that the cancer will come back, but it isn't without side effects. Research is underway at Mayo Clinic to look at minimizing the side effects and inconveniences associated with radiation therapy for breast cancer. Well, joining us to discuss this today is Mayo Clinic radiation oncologist and breast cancer specialist, Dr. Robert Mutter. Welcome, Rob. Thank you, Helena. Thanks so much for being here today. I always look forward to learning something new, and I think this is a confusing topic, how much, what kind, et cetera. So I'm looking forward to learning from you today. Well, it's, I'm looking forward to being here. Um, Rob, do all um, patients with breast cancer receive radiation therapy, and how do you decide? Well, it's a, it's a great question. The, the best way, I think, to, to divide it is to think about patients that either have breast preservation or a lumpectomy and patients that have a mastectomy. And so one of the real breakthroughs in medicine came uh, uh, in, the, you know, 50, 60 years ago when there were randomized trials that compared uh, breast conserving therapy, meaning lumpectomy versus mastectomy. And these trials showed equivalent outcomes uh, between those uh, two modalities, meaning a woman could preserve her breast and have the same long-term survival uh, as doing a more aggressive uh, uh, mastectomy procedure. Uh, and so that lumpectomy procedure was combined with radiation to achieve those same results as mastectomy. So most patients that have a lumpectomy need radiation therapy. We do also give radiation therapy in some patients after a mastectomy as well. Uh, these are patients that have higher risk features, such as having node positive disease, uh, because we know that even after a mastectomy, that does not eliminate the risk of recurrence. Uh, and so certain patients may benefit from uh, this combination therapy approach of radiation and surgery. Rob, I feel like it's very confusing how many days of radiation are selected for a for an individual. I've heard people receiving uh, six weeks, so 30 radiation treatments. Now I have a friend who is going through radiation and she told me she's having 19 treatments of all things. Yes, this has been an area of lots of work in our in our field. It used to be uh, that we everyone received five, six weeks of radiation therapy. And for many years, uh, we were 
uh, we had the understanding that giving a little bit of radiation each day and spreading that treatment out over multiple weeks was the gentlest on the normal tissues, that that would lead to the least side effects. Uh, but over the last decade or two, there's been a lot of research which has kind of flipped that on its head uh, and suggested that in breast cancer, we might actually be better off at giving bigger doses each day and finishing in a shorter period of time, that that actually might be better at uh, 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 destroying the cancer cells, but limiting side effects to the normal tissues. So you see many uh, different trials have, have happened over the last uh, several years looking at these shorter uh, regimens. And how much more convenient for the patient too, not to have to go so many days. That's that's absolutely yes. That's no. That's absolutely the truth. You know, historically, many patients might elect to do a mastectomy just because they couldn't afford to uh, be away from uh, oh. uh, their work, or imagine being out in a farm and, and during the middle of a uh, you know farming season uh, and having to uh, give up five or six weeks of of treatment. And so there, these innovations have been really uh, really exciting. Um, just to give you an example, uh, I mentioned for whole breast radiation therapy, uh, the standard use to be five to six weeks of, of daily treatment. Well, we, we had a trial that came out last spring, which suggested that five days is just as good in terms of keeping the cancer away uh, and also uh, was uh, just as safe in terms of uh, normal tissue effects. So that's uh, you know, a, a, real, uh, a real benefit for patients. That is quite a difference. Rob, what is the difference between standard radiation therapy and this proton beam therapy? And how do you decide if a woman is eligible for one versus is the other. Yeah, so X-rays or photons are what have been what we've used for to treat patients with radiation historically for decades and decades uh, ever since uh, uh, they were discovered. And uh, an X-ray is basically the same thing uh, as when you go to get a chest X-ray, for example. These are the same, uh, you know, particles or waves of energy, if you will, uh, as is used there. But with with therapeutic radiation, like we use for radiotherapy, these are higher energy uh, beams, uh, and uh, uh, these enable them to penetrate uh, tissue and, and and head into the tumor. The thing about X-rays is they as they slowly attenuate through tissue, uh, and so we don't have the ability to really fully shape them as much as we might uh, we might like. Whereas uh, this newer technology called proton therapy is different in that regard. Protons have this ability to stop in a dime, and that's because uh, they're charged and they have a mass, uh, and uh, and so we can actually give them just enough energy to travel to the tissue and have them stop. And so all that tissue behind the tumor or the target is spared of uh, of radiation exposure. And of course, the name of the game and, and what I you know do in, in radiation oncology is put the cancer, put the radiation where it's going to help patients, uh, you know, avoid where it's uh, uh, the normal tissues where the patients aren't obviously benefiting and which could potentially lead to more side effects. So we're, so we're very excited about proton therapy as a technology to, uh, to help patients. I will add one caveat about that, uh, is that to, to accelerate a proton, a proton is charged, has a mass, uh, and that enables it to stop in a dime. But, but to be able to actually accelerate them fast enough to be able to treat cancer patients, that requires some heavy-duty uh, equipment. It's not the type of thing that you're going to see, you know, across the corner from 7-Eleven. This is, these, these are, uh, you know, heavy-duty equipment, um, and there's only a handful of centers uh, in the in North America that have this uh, uh, this equipment, so it comes with a uh, you know a bigger investment in terms of capital uh, equipment uh, for hospitals to uh, to consider. Um, but we're very excited to be able to 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 study proton therapy and to be able to to offer proton therapy for patients uh, uh, that uh, we think may benefit, including uh, uh, in breast cancer.
Rob, are there any known um, recurrence advantages as far as decreased recurrence or survivorship um, advantages using proton beam versus standard radiation therapy, or is it just the ability to target the beam better? Great, great question. Um, so in children, uh, for example, uh, we don't even have clinical trials ongoing. We've just accepted that children are, are uh are more sensitive to radiation. We really want to limit uh, everything, any normal tissue exposure uh, that we can. That's uh, that's a real importance. Where there's a lot of investigation now, uh, both in the United States as well as internationally, is asking, well, what about in these other more common malignancies like breast cancer, uh, where we know that the extra exposure to the normal tissues isn't helping patients? Can we use proton therapy in those situations to also reduce the risk of long-term complications? The challenge is uh, to prove that you're actually you know, reducing long-term complications, you have to be able to follow patients, treat hundreds and hundreds of patients, mm -hmm. follow them decades uh, you know, until they're you know, in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s, uh, when they may actually develop, for example, heart disease and, and die of a heart attack. And so for us to, to prove that there's a difference between protons and x-rays will require a lot of uh, uh, you know, investment into to clinical trials, you know, participation of, of patients, um, and being really thoughtful about how those trials are, are designed because, uh, uh, because you know, even small differences, obviously, in terms of, 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 of heart disease, you know, risk reduction are, are potentially sure. clinically significant. But, uh, uh, but again, proving that in the context of a randomized trial uh, uh, may be challenging. That's really interesting. Rob, you've mentioned side effects a couple of times. What are the both the short-term and potential long-term uh, side effects or um, I guess adverse effects of radiation therapy? The most common side effect that patients experience during treatment uh, is irritation of the skin. I tell patients, I ask them, have they had a sunburn before? Most of them in Minnesota uh, with their fair skin, they say, yes, I have. And I say, you know, that's the most uh, you know, similar uh, experience as, as, uh, as what I would describe what we call radiation dermatitis. Uh, um, the severity of that depends on our treatment. And so in some patients that we treat, uh, we're actually targeting the skin uh, because this, the skin could be penetrated by the cancer cells. And so in those situations, we're giving full dose to the skin being very aggressive. And, uh, and those patients may experience a very brisk you know, sunburn-like reaction, may uh, blister and maybe sore. Uh, the, most, you know, the worst part can be under the arm uh, where the, you know, the arm is rubbing and that can be, be tender. And then- Yes, you if know, you've ever had a sunburn there. Yeah. <laughs> people, can, people can relate to that. It's a very yeah. uncomfortable place to have a sunburn. That, that's Right, and so uh, and so having a. Uh, uh, so having that, you know, once the radiation's over, a week or two later, that typically fades into almost like a suntan, and then slowly the skin returns towards normal. But that's a nuisance. And so we've actually have a lot of uh, innovative approaches that we have been studying at Mayo to to reduce those risks. I have a I have a colleague, uh, Dr. Kim Corbin, uh, who is the principal investigator of a clinical trial investigating what's called a barrier film. It, it almost uh, looks like saran wrap that goes over the chest, and it seems to protect the. Skin skin from abrasion from clothes and, and other uh, things like that. And it seems to uh, really have a noticeable effect in our uh, initial trials uh, uh, in terms of reducing dermatitis uh, or, or skin reactions. And so, so we're studying that in, in, a, in a larger uh, clinical trial through the Alliance Oncology Group. Um, so that's really, uh, really exciting. The other side effects I just 
mentioned briefly that some patients might experience is, uh, is a mild fatigue uh, during uh, treatment and the breast or, or chest might feel a little bit more swollen than, uh, uh, than, than typical. In the long term, uh, radiation also has side effects, and that's where a lot of this research interest is in terms of trying to limit exposure of the normal tissues. Uh, can we, by doing so, can we reduce the risk of these late side effects uh, uh, from radiation? So we already talked about the potential uh, uh, for accelerating the risk of heart disease. This is something that we pay extremely close attention to in designing our radiation therapy plans now. It used to be that uh, you know, uh, doctors were pay perhaps paying less attention to this potential risk uh, because uh, the heart can actually tolerate a fair bit of radiation acutely. Um, but it's really what, what was found out after many decades of falling patients is that patients who have radiation exposure to the heart, even low doses, this can accelerate the process of atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries. This is the disease that leads to, leads to heart attacks. And so we, we saw, in, 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 for example, in patients that had left-sided treatment uh, in the 60s and 70s, they had a little bit higher risk of, of, of heart disease than patients uh, treated uh, for the right side. So much of what we do now is designed to, to, to limit as much as possible any exposure uh, to the heart. What other kind of research is going on around this, Rob, that you're, you're working on and your colleagues? So your proton therapy is a big interest because we could almost in many instances nearly completely eliminate that heart exposure. And so that's very exciting to be able to, to, you know, to talk to patients and we talk about that, that risk uh, and we say, you know, in the past, uh, uh, the risk of, of heart disease, let's say may have been one or 2% uh, based on your, you know, a patient with your clinical characteristics by the time you're 80 years old. And we can say, well, with, with protons, we can reduce that dose down tenfold. And so, you know, we, we think that the risk is going to be just a fraction of that in the long term. And so, so that's really been exciting to, to be able to study proton therapy uh, uh, in that context. We also have other techniques that we have been investigating, uh, investigating and uh, um, using in the clinic, you know, routinely. We, we treat patients often in a full inspiration. And by expanding the lungs, that often pushes the heart down and away uh, from where we're, we want to be treating. Um, and uh, in some patients, especially those with more ptotic breasts, it may be beneficial for them to be treated uh, on their stomach. And so the, the, when they're on their stomach, the breast falls away from their, their chest, and that can often create the best beam angles. And so the great thing about working with Mayo is it, it, we have this uh, amazing team of physicists and, and, and dosimetrists and therapists uh, that help us execute these, uh, these treatments, and we have all the tools. We can, we can pick the best one for each, each patient, whether it be proton therapy or this, this prone technique or the breath hold. Um, we have all, you know, everything available to, so we can make the, the best decision for each patient. That's interesting. Rob, we were talking earlier about how inconvenient it can be to have multiple radiation therapy treatments, albeit necessary at times, but how long does it take to administer traditional radiation uh, or proton beam per episode when a woman comes in? Great question. Uh, our appointments are typically 30 to 45 minutes in length. A lot of that time is spent setting patients up. So the beam might only be on five or 10 minutes, uh, but a lot of this time is setting the patient up exactly like they were when they came in for their first appointment, which was a planning session. So we do this planning session, which involves a scan. Then we use those, uh, that scan to design a radiation plan, again, with our, with our team, uh, 
just just tailored to that that individual patient. And then when they come back for their their treatment, we set them up the exact same way. Uh, typically, it's with their arms kind of comfortably up, almost as though they had behind a pillow, uh, uh, just relaxing. And uh, we take pictures of their anatomy of their bones uh, on the proton side. We even look at their surface anatomy to make sure it's perfectly aligned. And then finally, we we turn the beam on after all of uh, all that effort. And and sometimes it's a little anticlimactic. You don't you don't feel anything for patient. You know when you get treatment, uh, it's just like getting a, a chest X-ray, and that it's uh, uh, then it's over. And uh, and and often the the side effects from radiation of patients experience like the skin irritation. That's usually something that starts to happen several weeks into the treatment. And so the patient may go home and say. Did I even get the treatment? And 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 I have to assure them that yes, indeed, we uh, we did. We uh, record that and we we executed the treatment just perfectly. We took pictures and, and to to show that that's the case. Well, that's interesting, Rob. My analogy to that is that I do fluoroscopically guided procedures for patients with pain, and I often tell them it's going to take me longer to get the the flu- the fluoroscope or the X-ray beam lined up the way that I want it to do this procedure than it actually will probably to do the procedure. So that's exactly right. <laughs> Lots of prep work. Yes, that's that's true. Rob, how can patients know that they are getting the right treatment for uh, for their cancer? Such a great question, and I think it's something that uh, you know it's difficult to quantify. But I think it's 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 something that that patients can uh, uh, experience when they talk with a physician, almost like you know engaging here with with someone like you, where they feel comfortable, where they have all their questions answered, where they're they 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 get a sense of the expertise of that uh, of that individual um, that they're that they're speaking to. Um, in the case of Mayo, like I mentioned earlier, it's 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 a real you know enormous team of, of experts to be able to to operate these these facilities like we have and offer every uh, uh, you know all the, the latest uh, technologies uh, it really it requires a, a you know a wonderful team to be able to execute these these treatments safely and 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 so that's another part of it how do you you know the the comfort mm-hmm. that you feel in the in the environment where you're where you're you're getting treatment the other thing I would say is that you know at Mayo we're often trying to not just offer the treatment that your you know that your mom or God or your grandma got back in the day. You know we're really trying to advance the field and uh, and do better for our patients. And so an example of that uh, over the last several years, we've been offering patients a type of ra- a type of radiation called partial breast radiation, mm-hmm. where we just treat the area around the lumpectomy cavity uh, where the tumor was originally, and we developed a regimen here at Mayo, where we're giving the radiation in just three days. And so again, we kind of returning back to, you know, when I was in training, some of these patients were getting five, six weeks of daily, daily treatment, not that long ago. Um, And, uh, and now we're offering patients, you know, this opportunity for, for being done in just three days and heading back to their, um, to their, their families and, uh, and opportunities like that. And so uh, those are other things that I think really differentiate a place like Mayo Clinic, where we're really at that cutting edge and, and trying to uh, constantly uh, do better for our patients. Rob, in so many areas during the pandemic, we've started using virtual visits. Does radiation oncology use any virtual visits uh, to reach patients for consultations? We do. We do virtual visits uh, routinely. Um, I would say 
this has really uh, increased in our practice as well since the uh, pandemic started, and that's been been exciting. We I've uh, you know remember consultations with patients recently from from Tennessee, for example, or other you know other parts of the country, and we, where they've had an opinion locally, and they're they're requesting a second opinion, and you know it may not have been feasible to get that second opinion in the past, where you know to travel up to to Rochester yeah. for a one hour consultation that may you know that investment may or not have been worth it, but but we can have this visit and we can discuss, you know, yes, you'd be a candidate for the short course of treatment or yes, proton therapy is a, is a good option for you. And, uh, and then we can arrange for the follow-up where they come up for a planning session for the radiation and, and, and the, the treatment and they do it all in one, one trip. So the virtual visits have been really uh, been wonderful to be able to, to connect with patients uh, uh, much more easily. It is, it's a true silver lining of uh, the COVID pandemic. There aren't too many, but that's one of them. <laughs> that's exactly right. It really, it really is. Well, Rob, thanks for being here today. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I just wanted to mention one other area of, of research that we're uh, heavily invested in. I've mentioned we're really doing much better in terms of our treatment outcomes for many patients. In fact, we're really trying to de-escalate our, our therapies. In fact, I mentioned that three-day course of, of treatment for patients with very favorable disease. Uh, on the flip side, there are patients uh, with higher risk disease where uh, we really still have unsatisfactory outcomes. And I've been you know, doing this long enough where I've had patients where I care for and, and, and have grown, grown very connected to uh, that present with more th what we call therapeutically resistant disease where they've had their chemotherapy uh, and the disease hasn't responded well to the chemotherapy. They've had their surgery and there's still a lot of cancer left. And we know that these patients still have very high risk of relapse. And, and, and as I mentioned, I've seen some of these patients go on to, to relapse even after our aggressive you know, chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation. And so much of my lab program is directed towards uh, trying to develop new therapies for these patients that have more therapeutically resistant uh, breast cancer. Uh, and we're really trying to develop optimal combination therapy approaches where we're using uh, medicines in combination with radiation to improve the effect, efficacy of the radiation uh, and reduce the risk of, of relapse. We're also interested in using radiation to try to stimulate the immune system in combination with, with different drugs. It turns out that the radiation can actually uh, promote a better uh, immune response uh, directed at the cancer. And so we're really studying in the lab ways of, of uh, enhancing that response to better uh, fight off the, the cancer. So such that hopefully uh, we, we, what we do right now, we have clinical trials available offering patients uh, uh, these combination therapy approaches, which seem to be quite efficacious in the laboratory uh, in patients with resistant disease, uh, and such that hopefully in the years ahead, we'll, we'll uh, cure more of these patients of their, of their disease. Well, you know, here at Mayo Clinic, we have an advantage because I can just call you up and ask you something, but how do patients typically find out about clinical trials that are available? A really great question. There are, uh, if, if you go to the websites, uh, the Mayo websites, that's one uh, way is to, to look online uh, on our Cancer Center website. Uh, the other way is if, if is to simply uh, request an appointment with us. You know, as I mentioned, uh, uh, we uh, do these virtual visits, and so we're very happy to 
to talk with patients and uh, and uh, uh, engage you know whether or not they'd be a candidate for for example that very short course of radiation or if they have a more higher risk uh, radiation type uh, for example after a mastectomy and they need a more aggressive therapy uh, would they be a candidate for some of these trials where we're, where we're combining new drugs with radiation to try to uh, improve treatment outcomes for patients uh, so we're always happy and here to to answer questions well, that's wonderful. Thanks for being here today, Rob. Thanks, Helena. It's been fun. Our thanks to Mayo Clinic radiation oncologist, Dr. Rob Mutter, for being here today to talk to us about breast radiation for breast cancer. I hope that you learned something today. I know that I did. We wish each of you a very wonderful day. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org, then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well. We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.